Welcome back to Unshaking Discipleship Podcast. We are wrapping up our chapter uh, called Joining with Radical Islam to Destroy America. And uh, I mean, we've been we've been going through some pretty tough chapters. This one uh, as well being a a tough one, you know, when it comes to uh, engaging with those uh, of Islamic faith and yeah. trying to have a conversation and doing so without uh, compromise, you know? Yeah, you don't, I mean, it, it is a sensitive chapter because we don't want to come off as if we're being accusatory mm-hmm. or, as he puts it in there, discriminatory, yeah, yeah. you know, of their, of, the, of their faith. It's not so much of that, and we're not in any way, and we've, we've made this comment over and over on this broadcast that we're not here to criticize people, mm-hmm. but we will definitely bring out the fallacies and the errancy of, you know, things that they do. Yeah. And that's what we're supposed to do is whether you're a Christian or not, you know, we have to take the whole and making sure that we give the right information without um, being disrespectful to individuals or to a faith or whatever it might be or movement. But it's mm-hmm. something that we, it's part of the, part of the process we have to do. It's been, you know, so yeah. this is no exception. It is, a, it is a kind of a, it's a tough chapter to talk about, but, I mean, the author, you know, Dr. Lusser, brings out a lot of truths, mm-hmm. what's facing America today, which is very, very detrimental to our future, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to the mentality of the radical Islam, Islamics. Now, I'm not talking about all in general, because there's a lot that are, there are, there are law-abiding citizens that live in this country, yep. but you have the, the percentages that have an agenda, and that agenda the is to, yep. yes, to destroy, destroy American capitalism and mm-hmm. allow America to become a country that is dominated by Sharia law and uh, and Islamic religion rule mm-hmm. in this country, and he brings it out in this chapter as we get we'll get into it today. Yeah, yeah, we pick up on page two hundred seventeen, uh, the section titled "The Muslim Doctrine of Immigration." I'll just read mm-hmm. this opening paragraph sure. for us. It says, uh, "Quote unquote, uh, diversity makes us stronger." You may have heard that statement uttered by people who are advocating some cause or another, but Let's examine what it actually says. Is it really true that the less we have in common, the stronger we will be? When God brought confusion at the Tower of Babel by causing people to speak different languages, their diversity did not make them stronger. Rather, their diversity scattered them and made them weaker. Mm -hmm. A nation is held together by people who share common core values and a common language. We could wish that all those we welcome to live in the United States would be held together with a common commitment to the Constitution and its core values. But uh, unfortunately, that's not the case. No. We see that, I mean, we're, we're here talking about um, radical Islam yeah. and, and, and all of that, but mm-hmm. if we, if we uh, I guess, broaden our scope a bit when it comes to all immigration yep. uh, and those immigrating to the U.S., yep. the, the hope... Uh, and and really, the um, ideal circumstances would be that they would come into the country mm-hmm. legally, yep. uh, earning their their citizenship and and going about everything the right way. But uh, it's been so long now yeah. that people have been coming in uh, illegally, and they're not looking to um, embrace the American culture. Yeah. Yeah. They're looking to, I guess, just have their way. Yeah and impose their their cultures and their beliefs um, and their ideologies mm-hmm. rather than 
uh, assimilating. Yeah, I mean, diversity, why people come to America from other um, ethnicities and mm -hmm. cultures is because we welcome diversity, as, but as you say, as long as they embrace the American values, the core of why we are who we are. Yeah. But today, in the 21st century, we've seen a huge shift in in that, and so I think the negative um, effects that we've experienced is because we've embraced and opened up um, the borders to anybody to come in, but without any consequences. Right. That's that's the right. issues that we're having right now. So, um, and the consequences that, as he mentions in the book, is especially when it comes to Islam, is that we bow to their wishes and their whims, but they buckle under and don't give the same preference to Christianity, mm -hmm. which is a core value what made America the nation that it is today. Yeah. And so you see, you can see the 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 negative of diversity. Um, it doesn't make us stronger. It it does in the sense that those that come in will support what America is all about. And we've seen the back in the beginning uh, prior to COVID hitting with BLM, what did, what, what our political um, pundits do? They bow to the the whims and wishes and the aggression of BLM. Yeah. And so now we continually see the negative effects. If you want to call that diversity, it's, in a sense it is because it is a, it's a it's an organization that wanted their way mm -hmm. without embracing the American core values of what who we are we uh, who we are and what we are today. And now we see what's happened because of that. It's kind of a snowball effect. Mm -hmm. It's just continually over and going and going. And like you, like he says in the book, and we've repeated it over and over again, the one who yells the loudest wins. Yeah. And that's what we see happening. But again, with Islam, though, you know, it's it's a subtle infiltration. Right. And like he said, you know, immigration is integral to Islam's goal as Islamizing America. America and that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll get into some stats as we get into the book get later on, but it's 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 frightening the rapid growth of the Islam Muslim population in our country today. Mm -hmm. And it's growing in leaps and bounds. And of course, he said like he says, as mentioned earlier, many Muslims they've integrated, mm -hmm. they've accepted these Western values. Why? Because they recognize that there's freedom yes. of mm -hmm. religion, yep. uh, that you know, they, they're free to worship how they see fit and and that's become a core value to them mm -hmm. because sure. of, of course, their their agenda that they're looking to uh, push. And so we see all throughout the country mosques yep. popping oh, up yeah. everywhere. And and so they're enjoying those freedoms. Uh, but I think a day is coming where they are, uh, he says, they're, they're committed to the supremacy of Islam in America. Um, they... There, there are many who take the Quran and the Hadith, that is the the sayings of Muhammad, very, mm -hmm. very literally, yeah. very serious, and very seriously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there. We, I mean, people need to understand. And again, this is in no way um, being offensive to people that worship, you know, that are of the Islamic faith. But those radicals, it's world dominance. Mm -hmm. That's what they want. They want world dominance. They're not afraid to say it, and that's what their agenda is to push. Is to world dominance that we want to be, you know, the number one religion in the world, and 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 they're moving rapidly toward that, um, in leaps and bounds. I mean, um, you go like two eighteen just turned at the top. So this became known as the the uh, Hijra migration. That this model of migration is not for the purpose of assimilating into a new nation, host nation, but for colonize, 
decolonizing and transforming host countries. So I kind of looked up and just see, okay, how how rapidly is Islam growing in the world today? Great Britain, um, that's the second largest religion in Great Britain. Almost three million wow. Brits are of the Islam Muslim faith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In America, three point four five million Muslims live in this country. It is the, of course, Christianity is the largest faith in America. Mm-hmm. Um, three point eight billion people in America are of the Christian faith, but Judeo Christian faith, but Islam is the second largest faith in this country. Uh, 2.4 million people in this country are professed to be Muslims. And statistically, check this out. Uh, every every um, day, 68,000 people worldwide convert to Islam. And they grow at a, at a pace of 25 million per year. Wow. And they predict in America in 10 years, it will be the, the largest religion in this country in hmm. 10 years. So you, you can see the influence that they have. And he talks about the subtleness of how they basically glaze over um, what they believe to make it um, acceptable. And you know, he talks about it in the book. Yeah. And we'll get to it yeah. later on. But that just shows you how rapidly they're growing. And it's, again, like he's a... It's, it's a slow, it's like the immigration. They come into the country, like you said, you know, they may have a uh, peace abiding uh, perspective, but in the group, you, you're going to have the radicals that are going to in, in, to affect people that live here yeah. to get their, to get what they want accomplished. And, you know, as, as a Christian, we, we have to be aware and understand what they're all about. Exactly. And we'll talk, we'll talk yeah. about that um, a little bit uh, later in, in the, in the pages ahead mm-hmm. because yeah that that awareness that discernment yep. is important um he mentions the the first major point of the muslim brotherhood and their mm-hmm. plan to destroy america yep. being to expand muslim presence by doing three things increasing their birth rate mm-hmm. uh, immigration of course getting into the states and then a refusal to assimilate that's it they're you know th- they're not going to allow Again, Western culture, uh, the way we do things here in America, to change or to uh, to affect uh, the way they live, yep. you know, yep. um, influence the way they live. Influence, I mean, yes, yeah, that's I mean, the they, they, they'll they'll come under the guise of acceptance, mm-hmm. but that's that's what it is. It's like right. it's like you know, um, pretending to be something that you're not, mm-hmm. and and that's mm-hmm. what they do. I mean, down to the clothes that they wear. Yep, you know, exactly. They don't. They don't assimilate that way. Well, you, you know, you, we know this to be true because we have we have Muslims in government today in, mm-hmm. in places of, in the Senate and the House of Representatives. Yet you can see, you know, their how they their culture is is accepted by the way they dress. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the first person sworn in to office, not on the Bible, but on on their 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 Bible. And, you know, first time ever. That's ever happened. So we can see again the subtleness of America accepting um, what they're all about. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's it's, a, it's an immigration, and it's a danger to the citizens who live in this nation because we know ultimately what they want to try to do, and that is you know become the influential um, culture religion within our country. Yeah. And they you know here's a, here's the thing about it too they have the money to do it. Mm. They have a lot of wealth. Um, I think that's one thing we don't 
we kind of sidetrack when we see the radical, but they're 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 funded well, yeah, because they know that they have an agenda, and the agenda is to is to take over. You can't do it without money, mm-hmm. so they're getting money filtered to them to allow them to accomplish what they want to do, and that's where you know we as citizens, and especially Christians, you know, we have to hold the line and be aware of what they're what they're uh, trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then the the closing paragraph of this section is really uh, a great point he makes about open borders, Mm -hmm. how open borders for refugees are often viewed as a compassionate response to a catastrophic humanitarian crisis. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we must realize that it has long-term risks and consequences. And that's where, you know, uh, there's a, there's a lot of tension, right? In, in welcoming refugees into our country because in doing so, we're showing love. We're yeah. showing compassion. Yeah. Some would even say that's what Jesus would, you know, would want us to do. Yeah. But we have to, we have to be uh, very mindful of, yeah, potential yeah. consequences or results yeah. of doing so, yeah. uh, and and without without any type of uh, filters. Yeah, you and I mean, I understand, you know, why people come here. Uh, but like you said, there, there's a, there should be a standard and a protocol of entering this country, filtering through background checks that people are allowed to come into America. Well, we just saw recently what happened, mm-hmm. you know, um, and the outcry and the chaos and confusion that it created within our, even our own political, our government. Yeah. And I, I'm out, I don't agree with DeSantis, but he shipped them all to, allowed them to what, Martha's Vineyard? Mm, yeah. Yeah, so, which I don't, I don't agree with that. But I, the point he, I know what he's making is that the potential for for like catastrophe to happen in this country because there's nobody checking anybody right coming in right i mean to me it's like we're the only country i think that does stuff like this without really doing serious checks about people that they allow to enter into your into your country mm-hmm. you don't do that in israel i mean you they they check you pretty clean yeah. before you can enter the country right mm-hmm. especially if you're going to stay there as a as a for long term but yeah that's true um there's long-term risks and consequences, and I think we're beginning to see a, a, just a taste of that right now. Mm-hmm. And it's not even have to do with Islam; it's just people coming from, you know, Guatemala, from Puerto Rico, uh, you know, Mexico. Yep. And we see what's happening, and they, they serve as a threat to America, not in the sense I think of terrorist um, situations, but you talk about health threats, you know, financial. Uh, Money's going to be given to help them be supported, which mm-hmm. our government will do, but at what expense, at what cost? I mean, right. To the taxpayers, right? right? <laughs> to, to us that live here. Yeah. The next section goes to discrimination of political correctness. Um, uh, where Lester says in, the, in that section, we don't discriminate. And, and then he goes into this whole thing about, you know, we all discriminate to a certain extent. Yeah, you know, sometimes not not on purpose, but we do discriminate. Um, he says every day, and that's every day, and in every wake, we make choices about people, and each choice is, in some sense, discrimination. Preferences. Yeah, yeah. like I mean, just to, just to have a preference yeah. is can be yeah uh, discriminatory in a sense. But go go ahead. But then he goes on in, in the next one: is political correctness divorced from common sense has discouraged people from taking care to wisely discriminate against harmful and dangerous ideologies and influences. And again, the, to me, the one that stands out the most is Black Lives Matter. Hmm. I mean, 
that was political correctness divorced from common sense. And the government and the political figures didn't have the courage to stand up and do what was right because of the fear of what BLM was saying of the uh, police brutality. They didn't want to discriminate. So instead of doing the right thing, they bowed to their agenda. And that's what he says in the very next sentence, right? The fear of being on the wrong side of discrimination issues drives some people, I think more than some, a lot of people to to buckle and make foolish decisions. Decisions. Um, I would also add emotional decisions, right? Because... That that's what it is. They're not they're not thinking for themselves anymore. They're not thinking about and and taking into consideration that, you know, these ideologies could potentially be maybe maybe not on you know on the outset, mm-hmm. but um, could potentially be later on dangerous, harmful to society, yep. bad influences, yep. even though they may appear to be good causes mm-hmm. at first, yep. but because everything is emotionally charged. And, exactly. and people are, are driven into fear mm-hmm. uh, and despair. They, they, they feel like, okay, I, I have to um, be, become politically correct in yeah. everything that I say. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the thing about that, what we saw, and I'm not saying for, on the whole, but the, the, the one profession that suffered immensely is, is the men and women in blue, you know, our, mm-hmm. our police uh, law enforcement. Yep. And are all law enforcement good? No. I mean, I would be an idiot to say that all law enforcement people are good. No, they're not. Yeah, there's corruption there many, everywhere. There's many, yeah. yeah, there's many bad apples in the bunch in every profession. Mm-hmm. But the point, they were the ones that were singled out. And they were the ones that the government supported and backed up the, to be politically correct because of the pressure from BLM. And now look at the consequences of what we have when it comes to our law enforcement within this country. Mm. I mean, they don't know, I mean... My brother was a former LAPD, and he says the problem with you have is now police officers have to be extremely, even much more um, discerning. And when you train in the academy, there's certain responses that you do and that trigger whether or not this is something you should use force and aggression or not. Now, he says, because of all the rhetoric, there's, they have to back off because mm. they don't want to be under investigation all of this kind of stuff be, be charged with police brutality where certain things are common sense that you, you do certain things to protect the community and the people abroad. But now because of all of the, um, the uh, borders they've put on. Yeah. I could see them being reluctant to even use force. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they Any are, type, yeah. they are because they're going to be investigated as, yep. or going to be charged with police brutality. Mm-hmm. And so, that's now you see the the outpouring or the outcry and the consequences of again being politically correct and not doing what's right by using good common sense. Yeah, and it's it's a tragedy that this is happening within America. You know, I just I just kind of like yeah, it just breaks my heart. You know, a country that was that was so blessed and so revered, we're almost kind of like the laughing stock mm-hmm. in a sense because of. The disparity we see in government today, yeah. our economy today, and our culture today. And you have to ask yourself, why? You know, has God is God slowly removing mm-hmm. his hand of grace upon America because we're reaping what we've sown over the last, you know, 30 years with abortion and removing God out of everything? Is that I mean that's a question we have to ask ourselves. Because yeah. the bigger sure picture way. Yeah. the bigger picture in America for me is the spiritual, the eternal. You know, temporal 
we all we're going to suffer. Mm-hmm. But what is the eternal consequences? Is, are we seeing God begin to just say, you know what, I'm going to turn you over to a reprobate mind? Yeah. You know, and so, so maybe that's why we're seeing all of these other um, side, you know, side situations come in. Mm-hmm. And affect you know the way America is to operate and function. Yeah, I don't know. That's just my thoughts. Yeah, no, and it's it's a scary reality that yeah. we're we're facing because, yeah. like he says, the fear that we could be accused of discrimination makes even our security services bow to the winds of political correctness. And that's that's a scary thing. Yeah, so you talk really you, you're talking about you know the the police and law enforcement, um, you know, pulling back, or we we see we see a boy walk into the girl's bathroom. And we're thinking immediately safety, safety, yep. and and then we get accused for being, <laughs> you know, uh, discriminatory, yep. mean prejudice, and and not being sensitive to the fact that he may identify as a female. Like, those yep. those are are serious and real yep. things that we we have to face in our world today, yep. which, yeah, it, it it really puts our our security at, at risk, at mm-hmm. least here on earth. But the hope that we have as Christians is, yeah, is that yeah. eternal security, knowing sure. that. Whatever may happen to us in this life, yeah, um, it's it's not the end of, no. of the story that yeah, God for has. us. We know we know the end of the story for us. Yeah, but then, but we like yourself and myself and you know Renell, we have family, and we're still yeah, we're still concerned, and we have very much. you know I have, I have grandkids. I'm concerned mm-hmm. over should God tarry another 10, 15, 20 years? What will our nation look like? Yeah, and what will our children and our grandkids have to deal with in you know fifteen, twenty years if if you know, God tarries and doesn't take the church out of here. Mm-hmm. So those are s- serious um, considerations to look at. So I think, you know, as a whole, we have to look at everything that's going on. And then like like this part where I like what he's, when we get to the response of the church, Yeah, what are we supposed to do? You know, what do we to do? I know he talks about how we are to deal with Muslims, right? Which is which is a genuine threat to our nation's security. Mm-hmm. But in, in essence, it's all non-Christian religions, you know, having that same perspective as he talks about here on dealing with Muslims, same with whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses or, or Mormons or Catholics or Buddhists, or whatever, Hindus, you know. Uh, but I understand in this section about the church because the Muslims, radical Muslim, Islam, um, presents the greatest threat to our security in this nation and also to Christianity because they want to eradicate Christians, Christianity from this country yep. and become the ruling religion um, eventually within the world. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a scary thought. Yeah, and all these things that we're discussing. So this, this is a good topic. This is a really it is. It's a good topic to talk about it's today. Very applicable. Yep. But yeah, let's get let's get into the the response of the church. Okay. Yeah. Um, page two twenty. Uh, he he starts off by saying, "We must reach out. We as Christians must re- must reach out with a welcoming hand mm-hmm. to the Muslims who live among us. We must not see them as our enemies, but rather as people who've been misled by a religion that." keeps them in spiritual and cultural bondage. Mm-hmm. And then what I like here, this next sentence, he says, we should become as familiar with their religion yeah. as possible. And this is uh, a big oversight, I think, on the part yeah. of the church today with many Christians and followers of Christ mm-hmm. is we, we've come to know the one true living God. Yeah. We've entered into relationship yeah. with Jesus, and we think to ourselves, all I need is God's word. Yep. All I need is the Word of God, and it and it's true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I think there there would be um, good time spent uh, becoming familiar yep. with with some of these other religions and what they what they believe, yep. uh, their worldviews. Because 
how how else would we then be able to uh, connect yeah. and and relate to them? Yeah, I mean, you know, we know for most of us, we're, we're we definitely are, are familiar with the basics of the Jehovah Witness faith and mm-hmm. the Mormon faith and Catholicism, but probably with Islam, it's probably the least recognized that we don't familiar ourselves with what they believe, yeah. including myself. And this is a, this is a challenge because now I want to go buy the Quran and read it and to understand more about what they believe, what their agenda is. What I know a little bit of what Muhammad and Allah was all about, but to be more um, in, involved with that faith so that when you dialogue with them, basically you know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then you can make the, the parallelisms between what they believe and what we believe and and try to build a bridge to them. Of course, he talks about in here how they, you know, they have that um that chasm to where they won't you don't you don't um debate between what they believe and what we believe. He yeah. talks about that. Yeah, the the um what is the the interfaith? Yeah, the interfaith dialogue. Interfaith dialogue. That that's what he he ends up talking about in the next uh, couple of pages and how uh, if we were to dialogue with them, there, there's really no opportunity for cross-examination. Yeah. yeah. And many of these Muslims will present a version of Islam, he says, that is, quote-unquote, sanitized for mm-hmm. an American audience. Yeah. Uh, so it's not... And, you know, they. Uh, I think a lot of them, they'll... Uh, They'll use the excuse of, well, it's it, it comes down to interpretation, which yeah. it absolutely does. But, you know, there, there's, there can only be one correct yeah. interpretation, yeah. And, and the same applies to, to Scripture. Yeah, same thing. Is, there's, yeah. there's one interpretation, but because you have those in, in, in Islam that um, interpret differently, yeah. you, you could come to two very different conclusions yeah. on how to live out that said faith, um, and and so it's it, it comes with different kinds of challenges, yeah. right? Yeah, I, my question would be: I wonder how many though, you know, Muslims, if you dialogue with them, would have this interfaith perspective. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't know how many would. Uh, I'm sure you would come across some that will not want to, um, basically, you know, challenge their narrative and question their narrative, but. But that should be something welcome. I mean, same with Christianity. You know, it's like you can't just take somebody's word face value without asking questions to relevance of what they're saying. Same with us as Christians. Gives us an opportunity to explain why we believe what we believe. And I would think, hopefully, if you dialogue with some Muslim, they would want to go back and forth with you to explain certain things as the differences between what you believe in, in worshiping Allah as to us worshiping Jesus Christ or God the Father. That would be... That would be a great open discussion to do, mm-hmm. um, because you know the thing about it that that makes that so um, effective is because we have the Holy Spirit, and yeah. you don't know in what manner or way the Holy Spirit would begin to deal with the heart of a of a person that was in the Muslim faith, and beginning to question some of the doctrine they believe, uh, as, as opposed to what Christianity is all about. Because every major religion in the world, there's one thing they lack, and that's love, mm-hmm. right? It's love. And that's what makes Christianity so different from every religion is because of the love we have, regardless of, of who you are, what you've done, it's love. I mean, we don't discriminate against women. We know Islam does. You know, they, they, 
It's just a fact of, of their faith. And, and we don't do that. Why? Because it's all about love. I mean, in God's eyes, both men and women are equal uh, when it comes to who they are created by God. Mm -hmm. And so that would be, uh, you know, to me, dialoguing with a Muslim that would not have this interfaith perspective would be an opportunity um, to hopefully see God change somebody and bring them over to the faith because they're there would be they would be the ones that would be best used in the man in the manner of evangelism amongst their own people because they came over of course there's a lot of persecution too with that mm -hmm. you know they saw a lot of them are especially in their country they, they'll put you to death we know that yeah you know so some got like sammy tanako right trans uh, went came from went from muslim to christianity now god's using a mighty way mm. to reach many people uh that are of the muslim faith for Christ through his radio broadcast, which I got to talk to him anyway. Yeah, but, yeah. But yes, yeah, that would be something interesting. It's, yeah, I mean, he he mentions here, and, and this is, um, I think many people could read this and mm -hmm. think, oh yeah, this is common sense. But he, he says, a better means of introducing Muslims to the gospel is through building personal relationships with them. Mm -hmm. And I think that yeah. can oftentimes apply to, to any, yeah, any individual, exactly. any unbeliever. Uh, they're looking for a uh, relationship mm -hmm. uh, and not just you hitting them with the gospel yeah. and it seeming like you just have an agenda yeah, to shove down exactly. their throats. Um, he says, this means communicating the gospel by backing your words with deeds of kindness and genuine friendship, whether your Muslim acquaintances are open or not to the possibility of accepting Jesus yeah. as Savior. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did. Um, seven years ago, my senior year in college, mm -hmm. I had the privilege of taking a going on a missions trip to Kosovo. Because it was a small country, fairly new country. They they were established in 2008 mm -hmm. during the Clinton presidency. They were involved in the Ser Serbian war many years ago. And so anyways, there's uh, a lot of young people in the country, a lot of young men walking the streets. And so mm -hmm. as we got to interact with them, I was actually surprised how, how well they were with the English language, mm -hmm. so th there wasn't a whole lot of need to for like a translator. Mm -hmm. We were able to to dialogue openly, and and I could I could tell that that's really what they were looking for. They were looking yeah. for a relationship mm -hmm. and and just getting to know one another. That you know they'll they'll spend many of their days just going to coffee shops and and talking mm -hmm. and engaging. That's great um, in dialogue and and yeah and so. You know, I, I I remember one instance talking to a couple of these guys, and they're they're in their young uh, early twenties. Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah, nineteen, maybe twenty years mm -hmm. old. And so they're they're adults; they can think sure. for themselves. And and I I remember just getting down to it and asking them, so. You know, do you identify as as a Muslim? And they say yes. And you know, it it was basically because that's you know, their family roots, mm -hmm. and that's how they identified. And, and then I asked, um, I think one of my follow-up questions was, well, do you, are, are you devout, you know, uh, follower? Do you go to uh, attend the mosques? Do you, you, do you read the, the Quran, the holy books? And, mm -hmm. and their answer was no. And, you know, then, so then that, that kind of made me think, all right, well, here's an open door mm -hmm. to, to sharing with them and and they they were they were um they were civil you know mm -hmm. they they were uh, listening to what we had to say mm -hmm. without really you know feeling the need to 
uh, to respond or, or get into some mm-hmm. sort of debate. Uh, and then I, but yeah, I asked, so, so why don't you read the Quran? You, you're a Muslim. That's how you identify, but you're not, you know, really pursuing, mm-hmm. um, further growth in your, in your religion, in your faith. And their answer was, or their response was, well, you know, our uncle or, you know, our, our parents, uh, still think that, or they tell us that we're, we're still too young to even interpret what those, you know, wow. teachings really mean and things like that. And I'm just like, well, you know, at, at what age then are you, are you, yeah. are you going to be deemed ready to interpret and, and understand its truest mm-hmm. meaning uh, of, of those texts? So it was just interesting back and forth. And, you know, right. we, yeah, yeah we, we lost touch over the years. And, um, but, you know, I still think of them from yeah. time to time that, Man, there's there's many Muslims out there who are young and and they're not uh, well versed and they're not uh, studied. They don't really understand. I think there's just the the family pressures to mm-hmm. identify the same way because if they don't, then you know they're they're gonna be yeah. uh, what's what's the word? They're they're gonna be uh, rejected and and. Uh, you know, no yeah, longer it's more like you know, just tradition. Yeah, yeah or you know. ostracized. That's yeah. the word. They're, they're, sure, they're going to be um, disowned by by family members mm-hmm. because you don't you don't follow the same God as we do. Then yeah. and you, you you don't love us. You don't want anything to do with us. And I I don't know how you just jump to that conclusion all of a sudden. But yeah, yeah it's it's crazy. Well, that's that's the the um, kind of like the hold of the Islamic faith is that they don't jump ship mm-hmm. because there's huge consequences when you do, yeah. especially for, for a woman, you know, leaving yes. the Islamic faith and be, let's say becoming a Christian, yeah. it's, 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 it's a life threatening for them. I mean, they put their life in jeopardy and we've heard the horror stories of how many women have lost their life because they trans ascend from Islam to the Christian faith, mm. realizing that the, I've been deceived, you know, this is a better, um, Away from my life, but then again, you know, like you said, they're ostracized, and for women in that, in that, um, in those countries, yeah, they they lose their life. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like they got to either got to flee or, or they're going to be killed. So, and we see we, we see now what's going on in in, in India, right? Oh the yeah, uprising. Yeah, because of uh, over that one lady that was killed, um, being detained, and nothing's been said about why. So here we see uh, women rising up wanting equal rights and to be treated fairly and now you have a huge uprising in that country of who the women yeah finally saying you know what enough's enough we're not gonna take this anymore so yeah it's interesting though so that that's a a perfect segue into as we wrap up this chapter talking about persecution Mm -hmm. talking about how it it may very well be just a matter of time before oh yeah 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 uh whether it's Islam or any any radical movement completely takes over and us Christians are forced into a yeah. corner or backed into a corner mm-hmm. and we're, we're, we're being persecuted. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he says, uh, you know, we're often unwilling to give give up any comforts, let alone our lives. But are we are we going to be willing to do that? Mm-hmm. And I think, too, for those uh, those Muslims who convert to Christianity, I think can't begin to imagine how how hard that must be and uh the the um 
just the the pressures and the the temptation to want to just be a a closet Christian mm-hmm. versus being uh, uh, very vocal about about your your faith in Christ. Yeah, I mean, America. That's the thing. We've never really, as a as a as Christians in this country, have faced you know life threatening persecution. You know, yeah. you look at China. Of course, you know the church. There's underground, but still, it's a threat. They get raided constantly. Those that leave those um, underground churches are thrown into prison. They're beaten, you know, um, and yet they don't they don't give up. They don't relent mm-hmm. because they know that what they have is truth. Not just there, but you go to countries like Africa, the same thing. You know, there's persecutions of Christians in Africa. You know, Sudan, mm-hmm. uh, the Ivory Coast in Africa is very dangerous. Uh, so, but yet they know what they have is truth. So they don't they don't abandon that faith because they know what they have is real. But in America, yeah, I think that's, you said the key thing, you know, we have a hard time giving up comforts. Mm. So what are you going to do when, if said they should ever happen, I don't know it will in our lifetime, you know, prior to the rapture, but we don't know. Yeah. But in, in the event that it does, then is that going to be the great dividing rod between those that are professing and living and yeah. those that just, just, you know. The sheep say, and the goats, yes, right? The separation. That I, I yeah. you know, I, I pray, I pray that, you know, Christians take their faith seriously today, mm-hmm. you know, and at all costs, knowing that there could be the time when you may be severely persecuted yep. in this country. We don't think about that. I think a lot of people that live in this in America that are Christians don't ever think about that possibly happening. Mm-hmm. But is it a reality on the horizon? Yeah. I mean, it could be. And that, that's where be. the importance of abiding comes in, yep. right? Because I, yes. I think I think it was you that was, was talking about not too long ago, just recognizing the fact that today i could i could think to myself yeah i'm i'm ready to die for the cause of christ mm-hmm. but we really don't know we we really don't we really won't know until yep. that time comes yes. you know yep. <laughs> when the rubber meets the road yep. all right lord am i am i ready to yeah uh, to to lay down my life uh for for the for the faith that I've yeah and found like in you said you. it's a te- I mean you yeah. know you can you we remember you I don't you might remember way back when the first major massive um, shooting on in Columbine mm. you know when those students were killed and of course the you know real uh, well known was Rachel Scott yeah you know yeah. Christian woman I, I have her book you know um, and it's a journal that she kept about her faith but she also journaled in there that she she had an inkling. That she wasn't going to live long. Hmm. I mean, it was it was actually eerie, but true. Yeah. But you know, and the the uh, what's been said was that they asked her because they knew Dylan Klebold that ended up shooting her that she was a Christian and asked her, "Do you believe in Jesus?" And she said, "Yeah." And they shot her. But Michael W. Smith wrote that song mm-hmm. and was asked to sing at her funeral, and that was a song he wrote about her courage. And the fact that she didn't back down as a 16-year-old kid mm. that didn't even start living her life. Man. And it had, and Michael W. Smith said that what she did, it really challenged him, would I have the courage to do that? You know, and, and this is something, like you said, we never know until we're in that predicament. Yeah. Hopefully we all would say, no, no way, because right. you know, we know what we have, right. you know. And we, we we see that example with Peter. Yeah. He, 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 oh, yeah. he was a follower of Jesus Christ. He <laughs> yeah. was part of his inner circle. He told him, Lord, I will never deny you. I'll die for you. I'll die for you. And 
what did Jesus say? You, you know, <laughs> before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. times. And sure enough, so I think our prayer must always be, Lord, let let us be ready for. Yeah, and I I, I believe in that time. Yeah. Should that ever happen to any of us if we're on a mission trip? You know, because mm -hmm. when I go on mission trips. You know, I tell my wife, I say, hey, you know, I'm gone. It's, it's relatively safe. We're not going to any place dangerous. But I say, I don't know. You just never know, yeah. you know, what could happen. So I just always give her that, you know, that, yeah, I'm going to be fine, but it's a mission trip. I'm mm -hmm. going to an international country. Yeah. Don't know. But, you know, I think in that moment, when or should that ever happen, God will prepare us. You know, he, he'll prepare our hearts for that. Yeah. So that's where, you know, that's where obedience and surrender is so important, you know, that, that he's your all in all, mm. you know, if you make mm -hmm. him your all in all, then to me, that's not going to be a, a difficult decision to make. But yeah. if you're not really walking, um, yeah, you're going to, you're going to consider, you know, either saving your life yeah, or giving your life up for Christ. That's, that's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. That's a good, it's a good, um, topic today, man. It's yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty neat. Yeah. Pretty good. Go ahead and, uh, Read for us that prayer on 224. Yes, it's a great we, prayer. As we close, yeah. It's a, it says, let us pray, selected, let us pray selected passages from Daniel's prayer in Daniel chapter 9. To us, O Lord, belong open shame to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, verses 8 and 9. Of chapter verses eight, nine, eight and ten of chapter nine. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in our country and its churches. For for we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not, for you for your own sake. Oh, my God, because your city and your people are called by your name, verses 18 and 19. Father, we are yours. Help us to represent you faithfully in a nation that has lost its way. Help us to love and honor you by our lives and witness. Help us to show grace and respect to all who differ from us and be courageous in sharing your holy word in Jesus' name. Yeah, Amen. that's awesome. Well, getting down to the nitty gritty, John. Yeah, we got what, two more two chapters. Two more chapters. Uh, four, around four more episodes. We'll see. Yeah, I think four. And, we'll get it done. And then we'll, we'll be taking a break for the holiday season. Yeah. And yeah. probably start up with a, a new season um, in the new year. Yeah. Pray that God shows us what He wants us to tackle in the next season of Unshaken. Yeah. So we're we're praying about that right now. We don't have. Uh, anything nailed down, but it's on our hearts of what yeah. to what to bring to you folks, and hopefully it'll like this book. I think it's been really um, heartfelt, yeah, and very informative. And we want to continue bringing some episodes to you that will really not just challenge you, but really inform you about what's happening, whether in your Christian faith, in the world to come, or yeah. whatever. So yeah, but, right on. Alrighty. Well, you have a blessed weekend. Yes, we'll we'll see you next week for. Our next episode, chapter nine. Stay away from the ghouls and goblins, man. <laughs> Halloween coming up. Alternative. Yeah. Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> okay. Go for God. God All bless. Right, God bless.